Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let's read that together. Is it on the screen? Ready? One, two, three. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. And that he is a Now, I love you people, but that was bad. You all don't know how. We're going to get you guys in, in unison here. All right, let's try that one more time, and I'll kind of jump in to help lead. You ready? One, two, three. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently Give yourself a hand clap for doing an amazing job on that last time. We started a new series, and last week we were talking about in the context. Most Christians would, you know what I mean, if you ask them, it doesn't matter where, what denomination, what church, if you ask them, do you want to please God? Most of them would say, absolutely. I want to please God. There shouldn't be any Christians I would be aware of that would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Do you want to please God? No. It's all about me. Now, they might live that way, but they won't say that. But if we're living a way that we want to honor God and, and impact people's lives, love God and love people, if we want to please Him, then one of the things on pleasing Him is that there's some conditions. You don't please God just because you think you should please God. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Can you imagine doing so many things and not having faith tied to it and it not please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe. So there's some things we have to believe. Must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. We, we kind of started at the end and we'll work our way back. So he is a rewarder. So one of the things you have to believe if you're going to please God is that he is a rewarder. How many times have you heard in the church world, or I like to say it this way, the religious world. I'm not into religion. I'm into a real relationship with Jesus Christ based on the Word of God. Because I define religion as man's rules to get to God, someone creating ideas of what you have to do. And they'll get someone who's, that will get saved and has just born into the kingdom of God, and some dear sister that's been saved for 80 years will come by alongside and say, now let me help you. This is what you have to do. And give them a lot of to-dos and not-to-dos, and they don't know why they're doing or not doing. They're just doing and not doing because someone told them that they should to-do or not-to-do. There's no heart revelation. Therefore, there's no conviction. And all they have to hear is one bad report about sister so-and-so who told them to do and not to do. And so, wow, well, she wasn't living it either. So if she's not going to live it, I can do whatever I want to do. Why? Because they're building a life based on the opinions of other people instead of the revelation of the Word of God. That doesn't mean that everything goes and you can do anything you want. No. But as we spend time with the Lord and the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will reveal and walk each one of us through and help us to continue to grow. Hey. You, you've been lying. You really shouldn't lie anymore. Well, I like lying. The Holy Spirit says, no. That's going to hurt you. I remember the first time, and, and this is a, a growing process for all of us. You, you should, should never outgrow growth. Yes. You got to write that down. Because I won't remember that later. You should. Someone needs a 
Watch it online. You need to post that so we can find a timeline. Have that. You should never outgrow growth. Now, physically, we can say, well, I'm not going to grow anymore. But spiritually, our walk with God, we should always be growing. And in that, which means there's still something for us to learn, which means that we do not know everything. Take that weight off your shoulder. Walking around acting like and trying to demonstrate to people that you know everything. And we all know you don't know everything. Because only Jesus knows everything. Can I get an amen? Amen. I remember as a uh, young Christian, the very first time, the Lord placed on my heart to forgive. And it was right in the middle of someone ticking me off. And I was planning. I was plotting. I was going to get even. And a verse that I had read earlier the day before, isn't it amazing how you don't remember stuff? You go take a final when you're in school, and you're like, what was that? I just read it right before I walked into the classroom. And you're like, what was that? What was that? But you can read something months before, and you're not even thinking about it. You're not even looking for it. All of a sudden, when you need it or when God wants you to have it, he'll bring that back to your remembrance. And I was getting ready to lay into somebody. I had the words picked. I had it plotted. I was, whew, it was going to be good. <laughs> and right before, I remember it. Right before, the Holy Spirit brought that verse back to me about forgiveness. And I'm like, "Mm, can you look away and I'll repent later? You know what? I was learning. You never outgrow growth. And that's how we grow, being open for the Holy Spirit to reveal. And so we want to please God. For without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. And in the church or religious world, there has been a tendency, a trend, with that people have been taught, don't expect God to reward you. In giving, oh, you need to give out of obedience, but don't expect a harvest. You need to do what God tells you because you're avoiding punishment, but don't expect reward. And the emphasis is not always, I need to escape the bad. It should be, I'm expecting the good. Amen. If I want to please God. Yeah. For without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. So if we're going to please God, one of the things we have to believe is that he is a rewarder. And so we're looking at how, how do we receive, how do we learn to receive the reward that the rewarder has for us? Because the rewarder, God, the rewarder doesn't have the title as a rewarder, God, just so he can say, I'm a rewarder. No, he has the title of rewarder because he wants to reward That's deep. God's a rewarder because he wants to. He wants to reward. And yet, we have to learn how to receive the reward. Now, I'm not looking at nobody. I have nobody in mind when I'm saying this. But have you ever had somebody go to do something good for you, and you would say, no, 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 thank you. Or I don't need that. Or that's too much. I had personally challenges in receiving from people. And I'm still growing through that. If someone wants to hand me something, it's my natural knee-jerk reaction is, no, I can handle it on my own. The independent thing. I remember years ago, I was having lunch with a group of pastors, and it was hosted by Rodney Howard Brown, and he, it literally, I almost got an argument with him because he wanted to buy my meal. I said, no, I got it. No, 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 I got it. I said, no, no, I got it. That was many years ago. 
But I didn't, I, I was struggling on learning to receive because I thought it was, oh, it's better to give than receive. It is better to give than receive, but you have to learn how to receive because some of us have learned how to give in the church world, but we've never learned how to receive. And we have sown seeds in the kingdom and there's fruit reward harvest available to us. But if we know it and don't reap it, it dies on the vine. Thank you for the seven of you, the rest of you. And this isn't every area. This isn't reaping financial blessings. This is reaping the benefits of peace and love and joy. This is the benefits of opportunities. You've helped others, and God's going to bring people into your life. Oh, I appreciate your help. And you're over there in your mind thinking, man, I'm doing this all on my own, and I can't believe nobody's helping. And someone calls and says, can I come over and help you? No, I'm fine. Click. And, you, and all of a sudden, why? You, you literally don't know how to receive, and because you don't know how to receive, that you struggle. And there's a tendency that we get into a victim mentality that we like to complain that we're the only ones doing, and I'm talking to somebody, that we're the, we're the only ones here trying to make it work. Well, God sent you three people, but you told them all no. Come on, Come on. It's like that guy that there's a flood coming. They say, you need to, you need to evacuate. No, God's going to save me. You need to evacuate. No, God's going to save me. Water started coming down the street. You need to get out of there. God's going to save me. Water got to his, his front yard. You need to get out of there. No, God's going to save me. And all of a sudden, this car pulls up, and it can do it in the water. Hey, you need to jump in. We'll get you out of here. No, God's going to save me. Water gets to the house. A boat comes over. You need to join us. You need to get out of here. You're about to die. No, God's going to save me. Water gets to the roof. The man goes to the top of the roof, and a helicopter flies by and says, hey, we can drop a ladder. You need to climb it. No, 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 thank you. God's going to save me. Water gets higher. The man dry, drowns and ends up in heaven. And he looks at God and says, why didn't you save me? He said, I sent three people to you. Sometimes we get so spiritual, we don't understand and see what the hand of God even in the practical. The Bible says, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men. God will motivate, God will inspire people to come and help you. Amen. One of my prayers is, God, bring people into our world, into our lives that we can help and that you've called to help us. Yes. Yes. Because I've tried it the other way of, I'll just do it all. And doing it all, you know what, is tiring. Yes. It's overwhelming. I don't anybody help me because the last three people God sent, you told them, no, thank you. We had a volunteer. This is many years ago. It had a ministry, and we were trying to expand that ministry. And we would send people to them, and they needed help. And when we would send people to them, they would say, no, we're fine today. We don't need your help. You're like, wait a minute. You understand. Your ministry needs more people. But in their minds, what was the problem? They didn't know how to receive. We have to learn how to receive this process of learning to reap or receiving is important. It's not, oh, I need it so God will get it to me. We have to learn to be skilled at receiving. When God was telling, when God was building his temples, he was sending people to do the temple that were skilled, not people who were just excited. People who were skilled and anointed, not people who were excited. In the church world, what do we do? If we're not careful, we'll just bring in, get people involved that are excited. And praise God for excited people. But you could be excited and can't sing, and you want to do a solo. <laughs> Praise the Lord, church. Be, be patient with me. I don't know the words of this song, but I love Jesus. So I need to be skilled to receive. Jesus told the disciples, look at the, look at the harvest field, for it's ripe. And so we need to learn how to receive. One of the things we need to learn how to receive is in this, to receive, we need to learn how to develop our hope. Remember the story of the widow woman who came to the prophet and said, I have nothing but a little bit of oil. 
She said, they're taking my sons. The creditors come. He says, what do you have of value? One translation. What do you have? I have nothing but a little bit of oil. And we talked about how that little bit of oil was the starting basis for the miracle. Because we all know the miracle that he said, now go borrow a bunch of vessels, take it to the room, you and your sons, begin to pour. And then when it, she began to pour, what happened? The oil multiplied. And when the oil multiplied, it filled them to the brim. And when it, they were all full, it stopped multiplying. And I still like the thought of it didn't stop multiplying because the containers were full. It stopped multiplying because she stopped pouring. If she would have kept pouring, it would have overflowed. Because we serve a God of El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. You've anointed my head with oil, David said. My cup runs over. So the miracle did not require her to have more to start. The devil will tell you that your miracle from heaven it requires you to have more. Well, when, you, when you're smarter or when you have a better network or when you have more to give or you have, that's when the miracle starts. No, the miracle starts with what you have. Yes. But, so the, the, the prophet of God, Elijah, didn't require her to change what she had to start the miracle, but he did require her to change how she could receive so he could begin the miracle. Yes. Because God's a rewarder, not a waster. Yes. Say, God's a rewarder, yes. not a waster. And so what did it do? It sent them out to get containers. I don't know where her containers were. Maybe she sold them. Maybe she felt like, I'll never have a need for that. Let's sell them and see what we can get out of it to stay alive. What is she doing? She was selling her future to try to survive today. A lot of people will do that. We'll, we will burn our future trying to survive in the moment. One of my phrases, my dad used to have all these different phrases that he would repeat over and over like words of wisdom. Like you better, it's better to have and not need than need and not have. Proper planning prevents poor performance. One was never offer on the altar of immediacy that which, is per, that which is permanent. Never offer on the altar of immediacy that which is permanent. Which means never make decisions in the intensity of a moment to solve a moment that you have to live with for the rest of your life. But we were in Vegas, and I just loved them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I knew he was the one. No, you're one. One of seven right now. Okay, moving right along. But she needed bigger pots. She needed, for us to understand how to receive from the rewarder, we have to learn to have hope. Now, we receive by faith, Hebrews 6.12. And Hebrews 11.33, Hebrews 6.12 says, Be imitators of them who through faith and patience inherited the promises of God. Hebrews 11.33 says, By faith they obtained the promises. So we need faith. But Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us, Faith is a substance of things hoped for. S faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But let's stop right there at the hope for. What is hope? The Word of God tells us, if you see it, why do you hope for it? Hope is not something you see. You didn't walk up to that chair that you're sitting in saying, I'm going to sit here, I hope there's a chair. You knew there was a chair. You could touch that chair. In the three-dimensional world, you could handle that chair. But there is the dimension of God where you can begin to see what is not there in the natural yet. Amen. Amen. Yep. Hebrews 11 tells us that these all died in in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off. 
So they, had, they were part of a miracle of what God was doing in his master plan that they never could touch it in the material world, but they were part of the journey. You have to understand, you're running a race, Hebrews tells us. Run the race set before you, but you're not running a single race by yourself. You are in a race that you're handing off the baton. So you're taking the baton from somebody, and you should be advancing, taking it to somebody else. Amen. And God says, listen, in faith you can begin to see. Jesus talked a lot about them having eyes but not the ability to see ears, but not the ability to hear. And if they had the, the ability to see and the ability to hear, then they would have understanding, and then I could heal them. I could do something for them. Why? Because if you don't see it from the perspective of God, not just coming up and creating something, but see it from the understanding of the Word by the Spirit of God. When you don't see it yet, you can't obtain it. If you see yourself dying, that's the path you're on. If you see yourself failing, that's a path you're on. And a lot of us see based on what we've been surrounded by. My whole life, everybody I know, not, nobody's marriage lasts. They always go through two or three divorces. So you see that. You see it play out around you. And because you see it played out around you, it becomes the pattern within you. Because what we focus on, what we draw our attention to, is what we'll develop a pattern for. Mm -hmm. Set your affection, that's why the Bible says, set your affection on things above, not things on the earth. Don't let the world around you define you, the pattern on the inside of you. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What is it doing? It's saying, listen, I know there's a lot of stuff around you that could hinder you. Don't let that be the pattern within you. So I'm gonna show you how you can walk through this life and literally walk through with love and not hate, or not, and have a good marriage and not divorce, or having a, a good business or be successful and not broken and busted and disgusted. Amen. When David was in the cave and he was running from the king, all of a sudden there was hundreds of men who showed up, but they were all busted and disgusted, but they didn't stay that way. Why? Because they got around somebody who could see something that was not in them in, or around them naturally, but became in them spiritually, and they rose to the occasion. When you see your kids' grade cards, you don't need to call them dumb if they get a bad grade. You need to speak into their life and say, I know you didn't do well here, but inside you is the mind of God. You are smart. You are brilliant. What are you doing? You are letting them see themselves the way God sees them. We have to begin to see what God has. Seeing means expecting, right? Yes. Hoping. If I hope, you know, if, if you have family saying, hey, I'm going to come in town. Can we stay at your house? Sure, come on by. We'll be there for about four days. Okay, when are you going to come? Next week. Yep, that, that works for me. That works for you. Let's do it. What do you do? You begin to expect them. Right. If you expect them to come, what do you do? You begin to prepare for them to come. If you prepare for them to come, why are you preparing? Someone, your spouse walks in, your kids walk in. What are you doing? Oh, I'm getting ready. For what? We got family coming in town. I don't see any family. You don't now, but you will. Yes. And I'm preparing the place for them. Now, some of you are like, no, nah, it's a mess when I'm here. It's going to be a mess when they get here. But that's okay. That's between you and Jesus. But most of us, what are we going to do? We prepare. We prepare for what we are expecting. Yes. If a, if a woman gets pregnant and she says, good news, I'm pregnant, what, are, what does she also say? I'm ex You go tell the family, I'm expecting. They don't look at your, the, the mom's belly. I don't see anything. You're not pregnant. Yes, I'm pregnant. I'm expecting. Well, that doesn't make sense. I don't see anything. You don't see it now, but you will one day. Yes. 
Because there's life on the inside of me, and I can't explain and define everything for you. But I know what you might not see it here, but I'm feeling it here. I sense it in here. And there is a baby. There is life in here. And what do they do? They begin to prepare for what they're expecting. They begin to paint a room. They begin to reorganize. They begin to buy a baby bed. They begin to look at, I wonder what formula we should get. We need to figure that out. We got to get it. What are they doing? They are working toward their expectation. You know what a lot of people do? They don't start working toward their expectation. They try to wait for God to do it, and then they try to work and handle it. And they wonder why it doesn't work that way. No, you have to work toward what you're expecting. Well, I'm expecting God's going to make me a millionaire. Well, what are you, how are you handling what you have? Lord, let me win that $1 billion lottery ticket, and I'll tithe. Some of you spent your money on it. And God's looking down and said, listen, if you're not tithing on $100, you're not going to tithe on a $1 billion. Because most people think if I have a lot of money, then tithing is no big deal. But you know, if you have a lot of money, what the devil tells, look how big that tithe is. Church don't need that. It's not about meeting the need of the church. It's about you connected with obedience to God. Hope is the ability to see. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered the heart of man. Eye has not seen, even though it's there. Ear has not heard, neither entered the heart of man. The things, there's things, tangible things, that God has prepared. It's already done. Listen to me. It's not waiting for God to do it. He's already prepared it for you. We got to shift modes a little bit. Some of us are praying, saying, God, would you at least get up and move around and do something for me down here? And, God, and God's saying, you're, you're in the wrong mode. You're in the wrong system. You're, you're in the world system. I have already provided all things that pertain to life and godliness, not life breathing, the quality of life that he has for you. The Bible says it's already prepared. The things that he has prepared, to, but he reveals them to us by his spirit. If you're going to title the message today, I would title it, how to find hope in a hopeless world. Because if you watch the news enough, it becomes hopeless. Oh, I'm so glad we're past COVID. Well, what about the next virus that someone's going to try to genetically engineer from another country because they don't want to be busted legally for funding something that's not allowed in the United States and then mismanage and allow it and it gets out? I mean, don't tell me that governments don't create genetical, uh, I mean, biological warfare. I mean, they got movies out 30 years ago about it. Watch Outbreak. That'll mess you up. They, they have biological weapons. It's true. I saw it in a movie. You think that's funny. Some of you are just like, it's true. I saw it online. What if somebody somewhere who thinks that they're so smart decides that Mm, we need to save Mother Earth. There's too many people consuming. We need a little population control, but we can't tell them. Come on, come on, come on. You say, that's crazy. Well, read Revelation. One third of the population one day will be wiped out. Yeah. Everybody's trying to save Mother Earth. She's not my mother. She is created by God, and the Bible says the earth is his footstool. Yeah. Yeah. Created by God for us. Yeah. 
And she will last until we don't need her anymore, and then God will renovate and change her and bring us back. Amen. Read the Bible. But we'll get so caught up. What are you looking at? What are you seeing? Because what we see around us, if we're not careful, and we take everything in, begins to shape us, the pattern in, in the inside of us, and that determines our direction to decisions. No, to receive, to be good at reaping, we have to learn to have the hope of God. Yes. How to find hope in a hopeless world. Don't let the world speak into your life. If we had three sodas over here and I poured them out and you're like, Pastor, I'm so thirsty, can I have one of those sodas? And I'll be like, yeah, but you know what? I was doing a science project and one of them I put poison in and I don't know which one. <laughs> but help yourself. What would any logical person do? No, thank you. I'm going to walk away from that. Why take a chance? And yet we embrace every idea that comes down the road. The Bible talks about even in spiritual emphasis, James says that we get knocked around by every wind of doctrine that blows through. Yep. Oh, someone said it, and they're on TV, so it must be true. Well, if it's not aligned with the Word of God, challenge everything with the Word of God. If it's not aligned with the Word of God, so what do we do? We need to not allow everything around us to speak into us to define who we are right. and begin to say, all right, God, I need, I need to have hope. I need to see I need to find hope in a hopeless world. Ephesians 1.18, let's look at this verse. Are you receiving anything from this today? You guys are amazing. You are the best church ever. Not even last week's church, this Sunday's church. And if you're watching online and you were here last Sunday but not here this Sunday, you're second best now. Oh, lighten up. I'm having fun. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. The eyes of your understanding, Paul's praying. I pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of your calling. Part of praying, God, I need to see hope. I need hope. I need hope. I, need, I, I, just, don't need to, I just don't need the sugar fix. You know what I mean by that? Some of us, if we need low energy, we'll go get some sugar and caffeine and we'll get zipped for a few hours. And there's nothing like, I, I like it. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. A box of Oreos and a Coca-Cola can do you really good. But after a few hours, it's not good for you. And we hit the, hit the wall. We just don't need somebody to say something that we get emotionally built up. And some of us, and emotions are good. Don't misunderstand. Emotions are like ice cream. It's a great dessert, but you don't want to live on it. We got to control emotions because emotions can go. <laughs> in your marriage, I love him. I hate him. I love him. I hate him. He's great. He's horrible. I'm glad I made him. What was I thinking? You got to rein in those emotions. I love my job. I hate my job. I can't. I got to have that job. I don't want this job no more. Right? I feel important. I'm ho horribly worthless. Emotions, you have to. You got to put a muzzle on it. You got to put some reins on it. You got to rein it in. Don't live off the level of emotions. Emotions come and go. They up and down, up and down, up and down. I love Pastor Greg. I love Pastor Greg. I love Pastor Greg. There's no <laughs> I've just seen if you're listening. I'm just, just stay with me. But there's a hope that comes from heaven. Yeah. Say with me. There's a hope. My siblings are laughing over there saying, no, no, he's got to. There's a hope that comes from heaven. Romans 15, last verse. Romans 15, verse 13 through 15, New Living Translation. 
I pray that God, the source of hope, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Notice this. It doesn't stop there. Then, say then. Then means that the something has been fulfilled. The condition has been met. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not just hope. Some of us are looking for just hope. God says, I got a hope that's better than just hope. That's a confident hope. That's a confidence. You walk through the door, and maybe all demons from all hell is coming against you, but you walk in as if there's not even one in existence. Why? Because you're trusting him. Hallelujah. You might walk in, you got your shield of faith in the armor of God, and it's loaded down and heavy with all the fiery darts. It's quenching, and you, you feel like you want to drop it and drag it, but you walk with pride and confidence. Why? Because you have confident hope, because you know he's on your side. Amen. You know who's in you. You know who's for you. You know he walks before you and behind you, the psalmist says, and his hand of blessings upon you. You know greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know that he will never leave you nor forsake you. You know that every hair is numbered, that your father knows the details of everything. He has not forgotten, missed it, and overlooked you, or ignored you, or denied you. You know he is with you. You know that the angels of heaven around you, for the angel of the Lord encamps around about those who fear him. You know when you wake up, you might not feel it emotionally, but the reality is he is around you. He's protecting you. And there are more for you than against you. Not because I feel it. Hope is not just an emotion. It's beyond that. There's something beyond the emotion of hope. There is hope and then there is confident hope. And I pray, just like he prayed in the the word of God, I pray that God, the source of hope, when I feel hopeless, I don't need to run to somebody to build me up temporarily because if I'm if I'm depending on people to build me up it only lasts temporarily and all of a sudden when I allow them to keep building me up when they are in a bad place they can jerk my hope out because they're the one that built you but when God has done it he is well able to keep you are you listening to me so if all turn against you you still are not alone if everybody turns their back on you you're still not alone if you feel the, the, the darts and the pain of people rejecting, you're still not alone. Right. You can stand. It, it, it's not a matter of, I don't want the fiery furnace. If you find yourself in the fiery furnace, don't try to run out. Just start praising. Amen. Because you're not alone. Right. The king looked in the fiery furnace and said, wait a minute, we threw three in, but we see four. And the fourth one looks like the son of man. What is going on? Because they need to know. It doesn't matter the temperature around you. There's something greater on the inside of you. And his name is Jesus. Are you listening? Am I talking to anybody today? Now we got to move into a different dimension. Because you will deal with demons and hell and opposition and people and problems through the life and the rhythm. And winds will blow against you. But just like Jesus in the boat, when they woke him up and said, don't you care that we are about to die because of the winds that are creating the storm? And Jesus stood up in the boat. He didn't hide in the boat. He didn't lay flat in the boat. He didn't go to the place of least resistance in the boat. He stood up. And I'm talking to people today that you'll be so full with the confident hope of God that you will stand up and say, listen, devil, get out of my house in the name of Jesus. Get out of my marriage. You have no right. 
I'm preparing for the expectation that only comes into the alignment of the Word of God. I will not expect the opposite. I don't care what I feel. I don't care what I hear. I don't care what I see. Romans says we are not moved by what we feel here. See, We are moved by the Word of God. And I expect that the God who answers by fire, I expect the God who is more than enough. You are El Shaddai. I expect you to do what you said heaven and earth will pass away before your word fails if you believe that give him a praise the next 30 seconds hallelujah i expect him psalms 119 he has elevated his word above his name isaiah 55 11 it will not return void why do i stand stressing when i can rest in my position I expect it doesn't look good. That's what it looks like now. Wait till the game is over. Wait till the storm is over. Sometimes you, you, Jesus said, it doesn't matter which way you play it. Disobey God, follow God. There's still storms, but when the storm is over, the devil said, you're not going to make it. You should say, sorry, devil, you don't understand. You didn't read the book. You don't make it. I'm still going to be standing. I'm going to outlive this. I'm going to outlast this. I'm going to be here when you're gone. I'm going to be here when you're running. I'm going to be here when you're crying. Why'd we ever mess with that person? Because when you go to war, you come out with plunder. They're going to say, why did we ever, ever, ever mess with them they came out more bold they came out with more peace they came out with more joy they came out with more stuff they came out with more strength am i talking to somebody quit looking like you're the victim you're not a victim the devil doesn't like what's on the inside of you he's scared of you he's afraid of you rise up child of god isaiah 60 verse 1 arise shine for your light has come You are not pitiful. You are not weak. You are strong in the Lord and the power of His might. You ought to say that. That's what the Bible says. Let those who are weak say, I am strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Your bank account might be saying, red overdue. What are you going to do? You need to stand up and say, I am blessed by the riches of heaven. He has blessed you with all things. Hallelujah. If he did not say no to you through his son, if he sent his son, the Bible says, what other things would he say no to? No, if you abide in him and he abides in you, whatsoever you ask, you shall have. Why? It's in alignment with his word. And the devil doesn't like that. People don't like that. But to hell with the devil. He's going. He's going to hell. Why are we letting him? Who, who let him in to vote anyway? Do I get a vote? No, shut up. Sometimes you got to tell your body, come on, you better side in with the Word of God. You better cast your vote to the Word of God. You need to shut up and get in line with the Word of God. We are going to side in with what heaven's saying. I pray that the God, the source of hope, fill you completely with joy and peace. When He begins to fill you with, with His hope, it brings joy and peace. Why? Because in His presence is fullness of at his right hand is pleasures forevermore. Joy and peace. Oh, I'll have joy and peace when this is over. Have joy and peace in the journey. I speak, I speak joy and peace in your journey. I don't care what you're fighting right now. You might be walking through the valley of death. You need to say, though I walk through the valley of death, I will not fear no evil, for you are with me. Your word is my lamp. Come on, somebody. 
I speak joy and peace if you believe it. Lift your hands and say, I receive that. Joy and peace in your journey. The God of all hope, the source of hope, give you joy and peace. That's how you know when you're in confident hope. That's when you know when you're in confident hope. That's when you don't see it in the natural, but you've, you've obtained it in the realm of the spirit. That's faith. But you have a peace and a joy that I'm rested in my portion. I'm resting in what God's provided. I don't see it. I don't feel it. But it belongs to me. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. I might not see it yet, but it's mine. I have it, even though I don't see it. It's like that ba the baby in the, in the womb. It, the mom's saying, it's mine. I'm pregnant. I'm a mother. I don't see it, but I'm a mother. You're going to change your titles. I decree over your life, your titles are changing over your head right now. You're not a loser. You're a winner. You're not defeated. You're victorious. You're not, the, you're not the end. You're the head. Not the tail. Are you listening to me? You're not sick. You're the healed of the Lord. You got to change your titles. Why is your title changing, mama? Because I have a baby on the inside of me. Why are you changing your name, Abraham? Because God said, I ain't got a different title. Because I have a different destiny. Man, if I had some of this on my notes, I'd be happy for future. But you guys got to write this down because there aren't many of it. All I have is verses. I pray, that the, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with the confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of God. It's the Holy Spirit, his power. People try to make him weird. He's not weird. People People are like, I don't understand that. Well, of course you don't. You know, speaking in tongues, that's, that's kind of weird. You know what? I, my, my brain don't wrap around it. I get it. If you don't, don't want to speak in tongues, that's fine. We still love you. God loves you. Walk it out. But don't tell me you don't, want, you don't want what God. Think about it. How the devil has made the things that empowers a Christian to dominate in life. And one of those things is the presence of God in your life. Yes. To make it weird. And people use the argument, that's kind of weird, don't you think? It's a little different. I don't understand it. Well, let me, let me break it down this way. Are you ready? Everything in the Bible you don't understand. Come on. A virgin birth? We started off with, that's kind of weird. I don't understand that. It's only weird to the natural carnal man. A man dying on a cross 2,000 years ago, and now you can have your sins forgiven, and you have a brand new beginning and go to heaven and not hell? Really? That don't, how do you, that doesn't make sense. You, you, you're struggling financially, and so the word from heaven and the word of God tells you to give? That doesn't make sense. Do you see my point? This book is filled with a lot of principles that doesn't make sense, and that's why the Bible says, my ways are not like your ways. As, as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above the earth. It doesn't make, Corinthians says, to the natural corner of mind, it will it'll seem foolish. It doesn't make sense. So don't get, but no, I don't know if I'm going to agree with that. You don't have to agree with everything. You're married and don't agree with your spouse. I think people get too intense when they walk in the church. They're different outside the church. You walk in the church, well, if I don't, if I don't agree with everything. I, people say, why don't you have every point of doctrine that you believe on the website? Well, because you, then you're looking for a point for a reason not to show up. I went to their website, and that point number 72, I just don't know if I'm there. You might not be there. It's okay. But our, our, our job, my, my, my perspective is to be a part of Hope Church. You don't have to agree with everything, except for that Jesus is who he says he is. 
And the word of God is who it says he is. I remember years ago, probably about 17 years ago, coming off the platform one Sunday, and the Holy Spirit spoke so clearly to my heart, and he said, consider nothing sacred but me. So at that point, methods are not my priority. They change. But the presence of God and the Word of God are my two priorities. Right? And if you don't agree with something, that's okay. Because everybody are different levels. You can't say, I'm not going to the family reunion. I heard there's going to be toddlers, and I'm a runner. I'm not going to be hanging out with toddlers. Help the toddler walk. Help the toddler. You don't have to. Not everybody. Can you imagine only going to family events if everybody agreed and acted and lived and did the same thing at the same level? I don't know. I don't like that movie he was watching. Well, who cares? We got to keep the common ground, common bond. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I pray that God, the source of hope. See, 10 minutes ago when I said last verse, you thought you were going to be out early. Mm-mm, I can stay on this verse for a while. I pray that God, the source, say, Father God, you're my source of hope. Now we know where we're going to need hope from. If you're hopeless, let's turn to God. Let's spend time in the Word. Let's spend time in prayer. Let's spend time worshiping Him. Get in His presence will fill you completely with joy and peace. Oh, I love that. I don't know about you, I'm thankful for joy and peace, but you know, when it's just based on external, it's temporary. Have you noticed that? They love you, they don't love you. Great day, bad day. But he can fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him, he'll direct your path. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know who I'm talking to, but if you need hope, maybe you're facing some hopeless world. Right now, I'm going to pray. Just lift your hand right over. Father, in the name of Jesus, for every hand that's raised, you are the source of all hope. And Father, just according to your word, I ask you to fill them completely with joy and peace. Because they're trusting you. Even though they might not see the light at the end of the tunnel, they're trusting you. You are their light. Causing them to overflow with confident hope through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, and everyone shouted. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise with them. And you can pray that yourself. You can pray, Father, open my eyes to see your hope. Whatever, because I'm telling you, if you were with us at the beginning of the year, and we did the whole series about Isaac sowed in the land, and about Isaac uh, digging new wells. Thank you for that t-shirt, by the way. It fits perfectly. Someone gave me a t-shirt that says, dig new wells. Isaac kept digging wells until he came to a place of, this is the place that God has for us. We have peace, we have prosperity, we have expansion. It's the year, it is the year that, of God who's more than enough, El Shaddai. And he wants to do more than enough, not only in you, but through you. Let me say it this way. From heaven's perspective, you can impact way more people than you ever imagined. 
I don't need the movie It's a Wonderful Life from back in the 50s or 60s to tell me that. I'm telling you the word of God. You have the ability to impact more people than you could ever imagine. Let's not just try to use our imagination to dream. Let's get in the presence of God and say, Lord, dream in me. Dream through me. Run the race set before you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here today, you do not have a real relationship with Jesus. He is the hope of the world. Maybe you sit here and say, well, pastor, I know about God, but I really don't know him. I'm saying that the way you process and the way you experience, do you know him in a way that only you understand that you would know that he is real and he's your Lord and Savior? If you don't, you can. If this is the first time you heard the gospel or you're coming back to him, either way, today is your day. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to give an opportunity. Jesus said in Revelation 3, I stand at the door knocking. If you open the door, give me an opportunity. I'll come in. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 5 tells us that with the heart man believes in a righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. A simple short prayer can have an eternal and powerful difference. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you want to have that sin dealt with, have that weight changed. You don't have to have a dark cloud over your head. You don't have to go to bed under the weight of that. You can have the peace of God, the rest of God, and know for yourself that when one day you're going to go to heaven and not hell. You can know him. You can have the joy of the Lord. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I turn to you today. I repent of all my sins. I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me because I believe that. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me of all your sins. Forgive me of all my sins. I open the door of my heart and life, and I invite you in to be my Savior and to be my Lord in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now, before we dismiss, before we dismiss, our, our free grocery store is going to be open after service. Our free clothing store is going to be open. The free baby store is going to be open. It's all free. It's our blessing to you. It's God working through us. Amen? And, you know, this is an interesting thing and that the Lord dropped in my heart the other day. As you keep going to the next seasons of life, the past seasons you can help other people in a way that you never thought possible. When David fought the lion and the bear, that was the biggest thing. But when he fought Goliath, the lion and the bear was no, more, no longer a big event. Let me, let me say it this way. When you begin to tap into what God has for you in the future, let's say it's financially, you might be the phase one day of, man, I'm struggling just to put food on my table. But as you excel in that, it'll be, I'm not only putting food on my table, I'm feeding my family. And then you move to the next level, I'm not only feeding my family, I'm helping feed the community. If you're feeding the community, the lesser it becomes easier to take care of. If you're feeding the community, you'll never have to worry about if you go hungry. 
as long as we struggle on trying to focus on just feeding ourselves, we'll, we'll have the issues of trying to stay full because we'll deal with hunger because our highest goal is to meet the need of ourselves. But when, and that's the, that's the power of giving seed and offering is that when you begin to give, you're, you're meeting the needs of other people that are, as you're helping meeting the bigger need, the lesser need. Okay, I'll leave that alone. We're not taking an offering. That's just free. Something happens when you fast 21 days. I'll tell you what. Just, um, but if you prayed that prayer, let me get back to salvation. I want to speak a blessing over your life. Prayer partners will be down here following this service. But if you prayed that prayer of salvation just now, the Bible tells us that you can be strengthened with might by your spirit in the inner man. I believe that there is a key to thing. I call it boldness and tenacity. It's one thing to get things right in the house of God, but we want you serving God and living right outside the house of God. It's not a matter of, well, I'm going to stand strong and be loud and shout. And praise God if you do that in the house. It's what do you do when they try to talk you out of heaven? When they say, hey, let's go to this nightclub, let's go to this bar, let's, let's do this. And you know in your heart and your spirit that it's wrong. Do you stand up for Jesus? They say, listen, I don't want to be rude. I love you, but I, I'm not comfortable with that. I give my heart to the Lord. I can't do that. Oh, I could never do that. Well, that's what we need to be able to do. We need to stand against the enemy. And as long as we're trying to keep everybody happy, we'll keep nobody happy. That's for somebody. As long as you try to keep everybody liking you, no one's going to like you because the reality is you can't keep everybody happy. Find who you need to keep happy, and the number one person is Jesus. So if you prayed that prayer for salvation, if you prayed that prayer and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. At the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. You can stay where you're at. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to celebrate you. You're like, I'm comfortable standing in front of people. I know, but if it's uncomfortable to stand for Jesus when people are clapping, how do you stand for Jesus when people are, are not clapping and trying to talk you out of it? We believe that one of the things God's called us to do to, is to bring that tenacity back into the house of God, in the church, in the people's lives. So they're not being weird. You don't have to be weird. Don't be weird. If you're weird, tell me you're a member of another church, please. Don't, just, don't mess me. But it's being real that you're not falling every time a temptation walks by you. We need to be strong in the Lord. So if that's you and you prayed that prayer at the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. One, two, three. Stand to your feet right now. If you prayed that prayer and meant business with Jesus. <laughs> meant business. Stay standing. Stay standing. Give him a clap. Look. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. 19, 20, 21. Come on, church. 22. Thank you. Stay, stay standing. Stay standing. Look what God is doing. Look what God is doing. Look what happens when we invite our friends and family and neighbors to church. Freedom, come here. You can stand down here. All right, stretch your hands toward the, each person you see standing. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for, the, for what you're doing in their life. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God, for what you're doing in their life. We thank you that they're born again, brand new start. We curse every curse that's been signed against them. Every demon that's been following, tracking them, or trying to hold them back, we break its power in the assignment. And Father God, we set them free into the liberty and the life that you've called them. We seal them with the blood of Jesus. And I thank you, Father God. Whoever has been as a friend that's, that has been a silent assignment, so come to my spirit. Whoever's been a friend that's been a literal silent assignment of the enemy to keep them from you, Father God, break that hold, break that desire, and send three people in that will replace them in a better way. Now, according to your word, Father God, I ask you to not only sanctify them, 
cleanse them, encourage them, fill them with your spirit. But strengthen them with might by your spirit in the inner man. And we give you praise. And everyone shouted. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, and if you're new, we do most of the stuff that you maybe have seen in other churches, we just don't do it that way. Here's what we do. We don't ask you to go. If you prayed that prayer, we don't ask you to go to a side room. We don't, I don't like cold calls. I deal with preachers that totally disagree with me. I get it. I don't deal with cold calls. I can get the name of 50 people that got saved, and if I give somebody to call them, it's a cold call. They don't know them. But we, but we never want to be disrespectful. We want to reach the people that, that want to be reached. Amen? Amen? We want to catch the fish that want to be caught. I'm not here to force feed anybody Jesus or heaven. But we're here to stand through the fires of anything that comes at you for those who are needing help and want us to stand with them. Amen? Amen. And so Freedom is one of our care pastors. If you want us to reach out to you and you prayed that prayer, following the service, find him. Give him a your number, and he'll reach out to you. That way you got a face and a name, a voice, and a number. And when he calls, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember talking to you. It's a little different way of doing it. It seems to be working for us. So we, we're here for you. We're here for you. We're here for you. We don't just discard baby Christians saying you're on your own. No, we're here for you. But we're not going to chase you down. We're not here to live your life for you. We're here to be here for you. See the difference? I'm not praying you out of hell. I can't pray you out of hell. If you want to go to hell, go to hell. You're the one making the choice, and we will love you all the way. But you have to know that you're the one directing the ship, directing the car of your life. Jesus, take the wheel. He don't want the wheel. You have the wheel. And he wants you to say, Lord, what do you want me to do, and I'll follow you. See the difference? The, the responsibility is on you, and it's choices. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. So if you want Hope Church involved, make sure you have a Bible, answering questions, getting you involved, whatever it might be. See him. See him. Amen. Thank you, Freedom. This is the year of El Shaddai. I mean, this is the year. I mean, you might have struggles in last year, but this is the year of plunder. The year of plunder. Ooh, I like that too. It's the year of plunder. Hallelujah. Hmm. One of my, uh, my own prayer and confession time, one of my confessions is that uh, I'll quit. You know, I'll be here talking about stuff all day. I better stop. All right, lift your hand. This comes out of Numbers chapter 6. When you spend all day praying and reading the word and fasting, things happen. Okay, Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. God told Moses, have Aaron the high priest speak this over the people, and I will do it. Here's that blessing. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone shouted, amen. amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. Invite somebody to church this, uh, this coming week for this coming Sunday. Bring somebody with you to church next Sunday. You're dismissed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.